This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. back with episode two of the OC, The Way We Were. And this might be the episode where they say the name of the episode the most times. Uh, I'm sure you know that like meme where like when they say the name of the movie when you're watching the movie, I was like, hey, that's this episode's name. When yeah. Whenever they'd be like, I just wish we could go back to the way we were. <laughs> and I'd point to the TV like it. the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> um. But here we are. This is fun fact. Mm-hmm. I have been lying to you, Joe. Oh, for the in- for the entirety of this show, I have said tell the truth the and epi- shame the devil, Matt. Yeah, the only episode I'd ever seen of the OC was the Chrismica episode. But deep down in my core, I remembered that my friend Jeff, who loved this show, tried to get me to watch it by showing me this specific episode. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know where the episode was. I didn't know the context. I just remember he showed it to me because of the comic book club subplot. And that's the uh, only thing I retained. I didn't remember a damn thing about this episode. But man, did I remember capes? Faye are kind of cool. Or what happens to the Hulk, Hulk's up? Everything tears away, but his pants. What's up with that? Like Those two lines of dialogue, I have never forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The rest of it completely out of my brain. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't even pinpoint it. I would have guessed that this was like one of the first episodes of the first season. I until literally until we recorded the season one finale did I think, oh, I guess the comic book club thing shows up in the next uh, next season. <laughs> but here we are, episode mm-hmm. two. And in classic style, I have less notes, but I liked it a lot more. Um, I I enjoyed most of the lightheartedness of this. I am still, and one of my notes I will quote directly. I'm so fucking over Marissa's bullshit. Uh, that still stands. I if I have to watch, well, I'm sure I'm going to have to watch this for <laughs> X amount more episodes. But if I have to watch Misha Barton cry about how tough life is and how no one understands what she's going through, Joe. Joe, I will punch something. I don't know what. <laughs> could be a wall. Could be a dog that I'm dog sitting. But something. Something's, could be your own reflection. Getting, 
Yeah, it, it might be. But some, this this hand is flying at something. Because <laughs> it is so, it is so, she is so absolutely infuriating. Like, I think back to the first couple episodes of this podcast where I was like, mm-hmm. fuck Summer. Marissa's the best. Those days are long gone. Yeah. Long gone. I am all, Summer is great. Summer has really moved up as a person. She's delightful. She stands up for herself. She's mm. she's a strong female character. Marissa is a classic damsel in distress bullshit character from the 2000s. Always needing to be saved. And Ryan is the fucking white knight that's always happy to roll in and save her. And it's just, this is, this is toxic, Joe. This relationship is a toxic, bad relationship. This is... This is not these people. Two episodes ago, fucking Summer's like, I mean, Marissa and Ryan, like, they're like the perfect couple. No, they're not. No, they're not. No one, no one likes being around people who are like Ryan and Marissa. They have nothing in common. They have nothing to talk about. And all their life is built on drama and jealousy back and forth. It's so awful. He should have just stayed in Chino with a woman who would at least peel an orange for him. You think Marissa would peel an orange for Ryan? Hell no. No. Marissa can't Marissa can't even like stay sober long enough to peel an orange. Um no. here's okay, so here's the thing, right? Is that she it, it, their relationship in this in this and especially like what's playing out over this episode is the embodiment of like one of my favorite lines of dialogue between like characters who have similar relationships and other things which is like why do we keep hurting each other right yes. like why are why do we keep hurting each other and like again not to not to just jump right into it but like it's that moment when Ryan sees her at the Ferris wheel in this episode and he was like you know you lied right to my face and he just says it plainly to her no like no no pussyfooting around it it's just like you lied to my face and you're not seeing him anymore because you saw because now you're like you know he saw you kiss uh, uh he saw me and he knows about me and that's why you're not seeing him anymore like you know it's just calling her out on all of her bullshit and again it's that thing where it's like marissa i really am rooting for, <laughs> i'm rooting for you but my yeah. goodness you are not doing yourself any favors no and even so, like let me be clear seth isn't great either in this episode at all. But if, if episode one, Seth was the most infuriatingly spoiled, like obnoxious character, then this episode, that role is switched over to Marissa. And like Seth has fallen a little bit more into what he's best at, which is being the like comical sidekick nerd to Ryan. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's why I think that comic book stuff still like, I remember it. I vividly remember every moment of that scene where he shows like, like Joe, when, when he shows up and starts talking about clubs with, with Ryan at the table, I literally was like, Oh my God, this is it. <laughs> like, like it was like, as soon as that scene. Yeah. Like as soon as that scene happened, I was like, all of it's flowing back to me. I remember this. He's going to show him the piece of paper. It's him. He's drawn like a superhero. He's got super, like, 
every bit of it. He's walking around. He's talking to people. They're doing. The, they're going to do the club, and it's just the two of them. But then a dude shows up from the water polo team, and he like knows all of his shit about comic books because like at the time that my friend got really into this. Him and I, every Wednesday, would go to our local comic book shop, and we would spend hours in there after we got our new comics, like, shooting the shit and talking about nerdy bullshit with the comic shop owner, who became a really good friend of mine. I was, I worked for him for a bit in the shop. Like, this was, like, exactly the same way that when you, your appreciation of a movie like Clerks really depends on how much you felt like those Clerks when you watched that Movie, same with Garden State. I feel like Garden State right now is a movie that gets dragged a whole lot for possibly good reasons. But if you were the right age watching Garden State for the first time when it came out, like there is this like unbreakable bond that you have with this movie where it felt like it was the first time that someone was expressing the emotions that you had that you weren't able to verbalize for yourself. Yeah. And I can see that with the OC to a certain point. I'm sure that for some people, this teen soap opera captured a vibe of how they felt their high school experience was that like they couldn't put into words themselves. So it was this very exciting thing. Um, Can't Hardly Wait is like that for me. It's like this yeah. not not great 90s teen flick, but when I watch it, I'm like, I know every one of these characters. Like I went to school with every single one of these people. Um even the cousin, even her cousin that tries to make out with her. Look, man, it gets <laughs> wild out here in Delco. <laughs> but like <laughs> you, you do have, and that was that moment for us. I think that's why my friend got into the OC. He got into the OC because he was watching television and saw a character who gave a shit about comics on the same deep level that he gave a shit about comics. And it was on like a popular primetime show, which was like a rarity at that time. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Doesn't mean that stuff holds up beautifully under a microscope 20 plus years after it aired. But here we are. Here we are doing this anyway because, hey, man, YOLO. Um, but yeah, I, everything with Seth and the comic book stuff is great. Everything with Marissa and Ryan and, and DJ, the yard boy, is infuriating. And man, before we found out that Marissa was making out with DJ, the yard boy, mm-hmm. when... She's yelling at him for where his car is parked. And Summer's like, hey, be nice. He's hot. And she goes, he's a yard boy. I was like, fuck you, Marissa. <laughs> like, I was, I, yeah. that was another one of those moments where I'm like, am I going to have to shut this shit off? Cause I'm like pissed off right now at how, how, yeah, did take the disdain in her voice when she yeah. goes, he's a yard boy. You, you're, you're dating Raw Dog Ryan from Chino right now, yeah. and you're going to shit on this guy? Wildly inappropriate on his end, too, just showing up at the house. Like, yeah. like it's just, like, every everything. I love that Seth calls it out where it's like, maybe you should have called. Like, why are so many people just dropping by someone's house unannounced? Yeah. This is why millennials and, like, Gen Z fucking hate, like, don't call me, text me, let me know. Anxiety is a real thing. Yeah, like you know, give this, me a heads this up. Would hey, not I'm gonna give you a call. There's nothing serious. No, yeah, no, not at all. Um, and then we get the Sandy and Caleb storyline that's happening as well, where Sandy's dealing with a very drunk Caleb, who is now aware that he is definitely in trouble, yeah. and the arrest is coming at any second. And man, 
does it get any sadder than towards the end of this episode when Caleb refers to Sandy as the only friend he has, and you're just like, Sandy Cohen, the the man that hates you and that you hate is your only friend. Yeah. Sandy, let's let's do a quick rundown of how many people Sandy Cohen considers good friends at this point in the show who when we first are introduced to them, he cannot stand because we got Jimmy Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> now they're best buddies. They yes. opened a restaurant together briefly. Yeah. And now Caleb. Like it's just like this is this is next level insanity. How I hope that this is another theme that every Every single season, Sandy Cohen becomes best friends with another person who he's hated for an entirety of a year. <laughs> it's just like, we get it, Sandy. You are you are the great peacemaker between yeah. you and everybody else. It, it's fine. I, I mean, I got no complaints. Like I said, I this episode was lighthearted enough, minus the Marissa stuff, that I was able to just be like, this is fun. This is what I want out of the OC. I don't, I don't need high stakes. I don't need stress. I need two guys who done fucked up with their girls trying to make things right at a carnival. Like yeah. that is that is my speed, and that's what we get. Um, actually, probably my favorite line, beautifully shot scene, is they're debating if they're going to go to the carnival, and it's a close up of Ryan and Seth's face, and Seth says, "I mean, we could not go," and then Ryan says. We can't not go. We're already here. And then it cuts to the wide shot of them standing outside the carnival. And I was like, beautifully done. That is a that is a beautifully set up joke and punchline. Uh, well done, OC writers. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic to you, Joe. Tell us you break this down. What what happens when we're at this carnival? <laughs> One of the cringiest things <laughs> happens, which is Seth gets up on top of the hot dog stand, which as he's doing it, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. no. And he's like, well, you know, I love a grand gesture. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. No, yeah. here we go. It's not. No. And Zach's there. And then Zach, sweet, sweet baby boy, Zach. Uh, I, I love Zach already. He's great. <laughs> I do. I do love me some Michael Cassidy. He's only gotten hotter, too. He's so hot now. He's giving like, he's got like salt and pepper hair. He's like straight up dad vibes. It's so cool. Anyway, he gets on the thing and then like Zach's like, no, bro, stop. Like, you know, get down. And then he like runs in front of Summer's car <laughs> and like uses, he like puts his hands out like he's Superman about to stop it with his hands, which I think was like the best pose ever. And then it's just, it doesn't end well for him. And no. Yeah. I, um, I, I feel like an equally kind of sad line delivery, but like beautiful at the same time mm -hmm. is that Zach, like you can tell that Zach really likes Seth. Like he yeah. does, he does not want this to happen. Cause he's like, he doesn't say like, there's so many ways where he could be like, she said leave her alone and like be like a real douchebag, but he's just like, Seth, she really doesn't want to talk to you now. Please, can you please just go? Like, like in like the kindest, like, please don't dislike me. I actually think that you're a great guy. Yeah. And I'm sorry that the three of us are in whatever this situation is. Yeah. But then like also, Summer gives a 
fucking phenomenal speech to Seth about how she's always second, where she's like, I dressed up like Wonder Woman for you, and you still picked Anne. And then I was going to be here for you when when Ryan had to go, and you would rather run away and mope than be here with your girlfriend. Like, it's like, bam, this, all of this. Why do you think you deserve to be with this girl if you don't actually want to be with this girl? Yeah. Or if you're too fucking self, like it highlights his selfishness, right? It's that, it's like, like, like besides the fact that he like left Newport because Ryan's not there anymore, which, okay, like boohoo. But the idea that like she did all of those things and like, it's just so beautiful. And it also was like, it was a nice, like gentle build in, in like, very comedic beats leading up to that point where she's like, you know, vibrating. She's talking about her vibrations and, you know, she's seeing a therapist. She's doing all of these things where she's trying to take care of herself, trying to move on. And then it all culminates in her like actually doing the most healing thing, which is confronting him and just like unloading and telling him everything that has been everything that she has uh, gone through and why he's being like such a, such an asshole. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And then, yeah, we get the Ryan and Marissa. We already talked about Ryan confronts Marissa about like, look, you're if I didn't come back and if you didn't know that there was a chance that we could get back together, you'd still be doing shit with this guy. Like I'm I'm just the thing that you got excited about or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So they go back home. They arrive at the Cohen household, slightly dejected. But not quite as dejected as Caleb is because, man, do the police show up with a with a arrest warrant and they handcuff Caleb. Sandy says, I'm his lawyer, and I'm guessing that this is the adult bullshit that we get to follow for a couple episodes yeah. of the OC while these kooky, horny teens work out all the stuff that they've gotten themselves into this episode. As the case is unfolding and you're learning about like what the DA has on Caleb... Have you put together that it's related to the Chrismica episode for this season? For this season coming up? Yeah. Or like from last year? No, it's for this this current season. Like, this. So it's building towards what, like, we're going to get everything in Chrismica is what you're saying? You, yeah, you're going to get, like, it's all building to this reveal. All right. I mean, I'm excited for that because they did. I feel like they definitely dropped. I don't think it's an accident that they had Summer mention Chrismica in her speech because unlike season one where Chrismica is like episode 13 because we have seven episodes of summertime. Yeah. We're in the fall. Like we're, we're school is started episode yeah. two. So I'm sure Chrismica is like not too far off. I think when I was writing down our list of episodes uh, for this season, I think I saw it was like episode six or seven. So that also seems like the OC timeline then. Something happens in season two or episode two that's resolved by episode six when it could go an entire season. Yeah. Um, but all right, cool. I'm excited. I'm excited for Chrismica now. I'm always excited for Chrismica, Joe. Who am I kidding? See, but like besides the first Chrismica episode, which is like kind of incidental and it's like adult bullshit that gets wrapped up 
in that yeah. episode. This is one of those things where it's like the adult bullshit builds up and like if you have no other context for what's happening around the around, like in the previous like 10 seven episodes like you can kind of get a little lost in like the chrismica of it all and so i'm i'm i as i was i was watching it i was like oh that's right this is where we're starting to do this and this and that so it's just yeah it's beautiful um all right how do you feel about Haley leaving i am torn between if she's truly gone and this was a financial dispute or if she will come back because I actually really like Jimmy and Haley as a couple, but I also get why she left. Like their relationship had turned into the total opposite of what she wanted. And the last thing that Jimmy needed, Yeah, Jimmy like actually is too smart and driven to like, just be blowing his money on a yacht, just traveling around, like getting drunk and being wild. Yeah. And I know she didn't say anything about a series rap. So I'm assuming that she'll come back. One of these uh, days. So honestly, I forget. All right. Well, there we go. There's <laughs> so that too. So I forget. So we'll see yeah. what happens. TBD on Haley. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Joe, let's talk about some music because there's some pretty good tunes in this episode. Uh, so I wrote down the first song we hear. Seth and Ryan are going through his comics and Trouble Sleeping by the uh, Perishers is playing. Man, I love that all these indie band names just give me so much trouble. Um, Ryan and Seth arrive at school while Walnut Tree by Keen is playing. Um, Esther by Elephant plays while Marissa's chugging down a spiked coffee. Uh, the Ends Not Near by The New Year plays when Marissa and Ryan share their kiss by her pool. And To Be Alone With You by Sufjan Stevens is the sad bastard music that Seth is listening to in his room when he's wishing that Summer didn't have a boyfriend. And Joe, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I picked that sad bastard music to be my song of the episode because that is my favorite Sufjan Stevens song. So I got really? real excited when I heard it playing. Oh, yeah. Seven Swans. Don't get me wrong. Illinois is a masterpiece. It deserves all the accolades it gets. But the album Seven Swans that this song is off of is also 
I, I think a very underrated masterpiece from Sufjan. Okay. 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 How about you? Um, I like that's the only one I really remember. <laughs> okay. Is that... well, there we go. Man, we've agreed three weeks in a row on something. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> Maybe I am becoming an OC fan and I'm not even realizing it yet. Well, yeah, you hate Marissa and love Summer now. So, yes, you really are, <laughs> you really are an OC fan. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, let's talk about some of the stuff that's happening pop culture-wise. Past, present, future, whatever. And I'm going to start this time because I listened to an album that I've wanted to own for probably... 15 years okay finally found a used copy of it recently grabbed it ripped it onto my computer because this thing isn't even really available on like a spotify or an apple music Ooh. um and that is baz lerman's something for everybody are you familiar with this release is this the one that the like wear sunscreen is on this is the one that wear sunscreen is on nice um Baz Luhrmann put out this album, uh, and it's basically every single song in the album ties to one of his movies. Um, So the chorus, if you had only ever heard the radio version of uh, Don't Wear Sunscreen, then you never really heard the chorus of the song. So the chorus of the song is actually a sample from a song on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, uh, which is like, brother and sister together will make it through, that they sing in uh, in the in the uh, funeral, like in the church. At one point, there's people singing that song in the church. But this also features like a weird lounge version of Love Fool shows up on there. Uh, Doris Day singing Perhaps, Perhaps, Perhaps. A dance version of Time After Time shows up in there. A cover of When Doves Cry. Uh, There's a ton of... There's a cover of Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine In. Like, it is a strange, strange collection of, like, reimaginings and covers of songs, primarily from Romeo and Juliet and Strictly Ballroom. Uh, But yes, the the big hit was the single everybody's free to wear sunscreen off of this album. Um, and I mean, that's really the pop culture moment because that song, it's it's this weird debate. I feel like it's a song where it is either this vivid memory that people have that this song was everywhere and inescapable, but I've also talked to people who are the exact same age as you and I who have never heard, never heard this song, swear that it was never on the radio and that like no one has heard of this song but me. And I'm like, dude, ki- Chris Rock did a parody of it called No Drinking in the No Sex in the Champagne Room. <laughs> like it was a to me it was a huge hit. But who knows? But So uh, let me tell you why my, my why this is a huge hit. <laughs> um and how I know. So I've never heard of I I'd never heard the original um until many years later, but when I was a kid I followed this um, Hawaiian comedian named Frank DeLima who did a who did a parody Hawaiian parody version of this called Eat Rice. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ladies and gentlemen of the class of 1996, eat rice. And then he starts talking about like 
what it means to eat rice. And I was like, man, this he's got to be spoofing something. And it wouldn't be until I started listening to um, International Waters on uh, on the uh, Maximum Fun Network, where every commencement season they do a it's like a game show and they do a game where the comedians have to make their own version of this song but like everyone does it line by line so it like alternates nice um i mean i'm just looking at the wikipedia page for the sunscreen song it was parodied by chris rock it was parodied on mad tv jimmy cricket does a version of it for house of mouse um a parody of it shows up on the king of the hill soundtrack album called mo against the grain and there was even a uh, soccer parody of it that was played at the conclusion of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Damn. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this was like an international hit in a big way. And I actually, I, you know, it's an easy song to make fun of because it's a weird concept. It's a commencement speech with a techno beat underneath it. Sure. But I will tell you that I listen to that song frequently when I'm having a rough day and it feels like, Whatever is bothering me, there is a line in that song that picks me up. Sure. Based sure. on whatever is bringing me down at, at, at whatever point in my life. So I, I actually, that's one of my all-time favorite songs. I think that song is beautiful. I think the instrumentation is great. So I'm going to say it's a hit. And maybe, maybe I'll force us to do an episode of One Hit Thunder on it uh, soon enough. But Joe... How about you? What is what is your pop culture thing that you have indulged yourself in? So it's going to be another podcast, which I try not to do because we are oh, that's fine. We are podcasts, but um, I I have been a fan from day one of the show Las Culturistas, uh, mm-hmm. hosted by Bowen Yang and uh, Matt Rogers, and this year. Well, by the time this comes out, it will have already happened. But uh, the last two years, they did this like big show called the Culture Awards, where they have like the most like ridiculous <laughs> like uh, categories for things, and they like give out awards to like everything under the sun. And so, like, hold on, let me find it because it is just so. It's so delicious. So like, I mean, I may need to listen to this because I was just telling someone about their top 10 list of pop culture of all time for their 100th episode, which is one of my favorite podcast episodes ever recorded. And then they did. Did you hear the one that the 200 one? No. Yeah, they did one for 200. No, they did the 200 songs of the great like cultural Glade Goble songbook, which a lot of it is like aughts pop like. But like here, like they have awards for like they should be an actor award for not an actor but should. <laughs> uh, the Allison Williams award, uh, the Allison Williams Cool Girl Award, the Education Award for Best School Subject. Like it's just so funny. So I'm gonna because you are also a horror person. So I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to send you this because it's so tough. So they have a award for horror. The award is for scariest moment in history. And the nomination is hereditary little diva head come off. Oh, my God. <laughs> if nothing else, you need to like listen to them do the like read the awards. It's like three different episodes where they're reading like the list of the awards. 
And it's just so hilarious. It's like, hereditary little diva head come off. <laughs> yes, please send me that link because I will absolutely listen to that episode. And Joe, the other thing I'm going to have to listen to next week is more of these fucking white people's problems on this OC podcast. <laughs> listening to the Geekscape Network.